0: Uh, last time we met, we shifted into defining what the Apostolic Church is all about. And one thing we specifically talked about was a clear mandate for the Apostolic Church that a fivefold team is given to help the church to grow. And we have talked about what the fivefold ministry is a lot, and we're not going to really, we've talked about fivefold ministry a lot. Um, but we're not just going to keep talking about fivefold ministry. We're going to dive into how the whole thing looks, how it starts working together. Um, a fivefold team is given to help the church grow, um, but it's centered around one mission. Now, the fivefold team is the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, uh, the pastor, and the evangelist. God gives those five gifts for the equipping of the people of the house so that the people can be invested in, so that the people can grow in their gifts for the accomplishing of the purpose of the mission of the apostolic house for the region, for the area, for the ministries and calling and purpose of the people that are in this apostolic house, okay? There is an influence. this, this This is the mission. There is an influence of an apostle with a vision and a team around the apostle to grow the body to full maturity, so that we can go and influence a society for the kingdom of God. It is for one purpose, to influence a society, not for society to influence us. And I I, I began to really think about this week about the church as a whole, and there's so many houses of worship that are influenced by culture. And sometimes it's not so much a horrible thing to have, um, to, to be culturally relevant, but there's a fine line of being relevant to the culture and uh, not being d- distinguished from the culture. Um, for instance, I mean, one could argue that doing this is a culturally relevant thing, you know, because Christmas, I, I've spent a whole uh, uh, series talk, uh, talk, or a couple weeks talking about pagan stuff and how Christmas is technically a, a pagan holiday. But, you know, notice we, we don't have certain things on, on the stage, and I'm not going to say what those certain things are. with with the certain people in here tonight, amen. Amen. Um, But, um, you know, I'm not trying to say that we can't um, uh, do certain things, but we're not going to look like the world, and we're not not going to compromise for the world. We're not going to be like the world. And I think the church has done a really poor job of compromising truth, compromising our mission in order to fill up seats, And I was listening to my favorite preacher, who you all know his name by now. Um, If you know his name, say it loud. Damon Thompson, D.T. Um, If you don't know that, then you have not been listening to a thing I say. Um, I was listening to his uh, message this morning when I was in the 30-degree weather on my cart at Southbridge. (laughs) It's very cold. I had sweatpants on and jeans and a t-shirt and a long-sleeve shirt and a sweatshirt and then a hoodie over that. I was extra. I looked like I was about 40 pounds heavier. But I uh, I was listening to his message, and he talked about uh, the numeric system. And he said, you know, in our culture, when you have, with our money, when you have a dollar bill or a $5 bill or a $10 bill or a $100 bill, the only thing that distinguishes its value is the number of zeros attached to it. You know, it's all the same piece of paper. But what gives its value is the number on it. And he said back in biblical times, the way you had the value of something is how much it weighed. It wasn't how many pieces of silver you had. It was how many pounds of silver, how many pounds of gold. It was the weight of a thing. And he said what the church has done is we've put value on the number of the thing and not the weight of the thing and what the church has done is we've said, well, a church of 1,000 is better than a church of 100 because we looked at how many zeros were on the ends of the number versus the weight of the house. That, That really got me thinking about a lot of things. And he was obviously talking about the megachurch model. He was obviously talking about, and, and he even said it himself. He said, there's nothing wrong with large. There's nothing wrong with big. He said, but when you let large and big be the guiding factor of how you grow is where the issue comes in, into play. <clears throat> this is a book I've been reading. Um, by, it's been forwarded by Peter Wagner, but it's written by, how do you say his name? Yeah. Elaine Caron? Oh, he's a Canadian. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but incredible author. He has he has totally shifted into um, his church into an apostolic center. And it, it, it's an incredible book. Um, and if you want to buy it, um, please take a photo of it, buy the book, read it. I've been doing a lot of, I'm going to read some stuff out of it today. And I've seen some stuff on YouTube with an interview with him. But um, he uh, he was talking about, a lot of the different things with churches and, and, and the whole weight of ministry and mega churches and things. And, he's, and he says in the book, there's nothing wrong with understanding that in order to transform society, we need people. There's, we don't need to be afraid of the idea that we have to grow. But to compromise who we are in our mission in order to grow, you're shifting from the understanding that growth is not let's compromise who we are to fill seats. It's the weight of the substance of the house is what will transform the culture and transform society. And that weight is what will bring people into the house and bring people to, and that, that will increase the number, if you will, so that we have a larger influence. But what's happened is we've gone after the larger number to have the larger influence, but it has no weight of glory Therefore, it does not transform the culture. So what you have is you have large ministries who do great outreach projects, but nothing's changing. You ever notice that? You have mega churches, but the city's still falling apart. But thank God they gave millions of dollars to the charities. And we've even fallen into that as a house for the past almost seven years now. Like one, now I'm really proud of some, some things we've done. This year alone, we've almost given around $50,000 $50, to outreach alone this year. That's big for us. That's a big year. We've brought in almost half a million dollars this year. That's a, that's a lot of money for a church of our size. I don't know if you know that, but that's, that's big. But what are we changing? That's a question we're going to have to really talk about moving forward. Do we celebrate how much we gave if we're not changing the culture? Or do we invest that into changing some things here and getting us weightier so that we can change the culture? Because we think, oh, we gave to, you know, toys for tots, and we we got gifts for Christmas, and all those things are good things. And, in fact... um, we're going to have an opportunity tonight about helping a family out, correct? Is that maybe? Well, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I'm all about helping people. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. We're going to so into ministry. I've always talked about how our houses, if we're going to believe in the idea of tithe, we're going to tithe 10% of our budget out. I don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want you to hear me wrong, but we don't need to celebrate we're just partnering with ministries and giving if there's not a weight to it that's transforming things. Are you hearing me? And we think that a house with a thousand versus a hundred is going to do more because of the zeros attached to it. But what we need to understand is the weight of the house is what's going to transform a culture. Anybody got any thoughts on that before I move on? You, you got something. You got something. Here, it's, it's recorded, so I won't.
1: Um, the yeah. weight brings the transformation. Weight is substance, and and without the, su- you know, because otherwise it's just superficial. So you can have a whole bunch of people doing a whole bunch of superficial things thinking that they're doing something great, but when you have a smaller, you can have a smaller group of people who are doing some substance, which is the weight, yeah. and then you see the change.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anybody else got any thoughts on that? It's weight. It's not how big we're getting, it's how heavy are we. The weight of glory, right? God is so big that we cannot put a, uh, a, a figure on how endless he is. But what he does tell us to measure is going from glory to glory. The weight of his presence that's the measuring tool, right? I was talking to someone this week, and they drove by the church, and they noticed that there were so many cars in the parking lot. And they noticed, I don't know if they looked in the window or not, but if you came this weekend, it was pretty packed in here. And they said, how many people did y'all have? And my first response, I wanted to say, well, why didn't <laughs> you walk in to find out? But... I was proud to finally say, I don't know, we've stopped counting. I I can't wait to have a conversation with Leah about our annual report for 2021 because we've been always talking about, we always put a number on how many people has been attending the worship gathering. This year, I don't know, we're not going to be able to report that number. I'm excited about that. That may be weird, but we've stopped counting the number of people, and what we are able to count is the weight of the evidence of the presence of God in this house. Because we may have more, we we may have more people, we may have less people, I don't know the answer to that. But what I do see is more people starting to walk in their authority as children of God. You know, for instance, like George Dennis, he's been coming to church for almost seven years. And within the last two months, this has been the first time he's held, he's held a microphone on the stage to address a crowd, right? You know, even, I'd hate to put you on the spot, but Taylor has, been, has come up here twice and has given words in church, right? And she's always had the word, but she's never come up here to, to do it to the congregation, you know, right? Blaze. 17-year-old, he got the loudest shout ever at Relentless, and I've been talking to y'all for like, you know, 400 services, you know? And it's just really, I I see the presence of God really starting to transform. So it's, the measuring tool is changing. Um, Is this making sense? And that excites me. Because... You know, I, I go to the coffee shop still, and I hear pastors talk. And pastors always ask the same thing: "How are your services?" And then the follow-up questions all the same: "How many people are coming?" And they can tell me, and I can always say, I, don't know. "I say all I know is all I know is we don't skip rows and we don't have any seats left." Like, I'm getting to the point where we can say that, which is really cool. And then when I ask them, like, well, how are y'all doing? Well, some weekends it's good, some weekends it's not. Oh, well, I mean, are y'all, you know, like, are y'all having regular services? Well, you know, we're skipping rows and we're having masks and, you know, I don't know how to manage this and how to manage that. And, well, what are y'all doing? How are y'all handling COVID? Well, we just act like it ain't there. And that's, that's a foreign concept to them. And they think I'm crazy. And I'm like, well, what do you expect with our name? Right? And it's just really cool seeing how I'm hearing the conversations of all these ministries, but the way we're handling things, it's truly different. That excites me. Not because of a, oh, look at us, but it shows that we're truly entering into a different place. A, di- a different a different weight, if you will. That that, that excites me. The structure of an apostolic church is a team working together so that the whole body can grow and develop in full maturity. So as we're transitioning to this apostolic church, we're walking more into a team model rather than one person over this and one person over that, one person having this authority, one person having that authority. We're understanding that this is a team working together. And if one person has this and one person has that, we understand that even though this person has that and this person has this, there's an honor of both because this person cannot work outside of this person. and it, there is a, It's a team. One cannot exist without the other. And that's, a, that's still a foreign concept to a lot of churches in this area. That's a, and, and the reason I keep saying churches in this area, you need to understand why. This is not a comparison game. There's a reason I'm talking about us and other churches in this area. I didn't want to really talk about this much, but I'm going to talk about it with y'all, and I'm probably going to put it on the online family page. But I got interviewed today for a radio interview. Um, It's going to air next Friday night at 6 p.m. on 107.5, Savannah Radio Station. And they just wanted to talk to me about, they said, hey, uh, we've heard about you, and we want to interview you. And uh, I was like, okay, what do you want to talk about? They said, well, you pick the topics. I said, okay. Where's my phone? Y'all know what I picked? Okay. I'll 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 tell y'all what I picked. So it was a 40-minute interview. And what I talked about, by the way, I had him shouting by the end of the interview, I talked about, number one, breaking religious strongholds in the church of Savannah. Number two, empowering people versus lording over people. Number three, the need for apostolic ministry. And number four, the church needs to lift their voice instead of staying silent. And, and, uh, and I even said in the interview, and any pastors listening disagree, feel free to call me so I can tell you why you're wrong. And uh, so if, if you want to listen, it's next Friday night at six. Yes, it's lady, lady and lady. Yeah, they told me. Yeah, you were on the show, apparently. Yeah, they're like, do you know Marty Poultra? Yeah, I said, yeah, I heard of her. Um, <laughs> and uh, but um, yeah, so uh, but we, we were talking and uh, <clears throat> just talking about how there is a religious stronghold of this area. And no one knows how to break it. And the reason I keep talking about other churches is because I believe we're starting to break. It. We're starting to break it. I see it. Um, people are starting to walk in here, and we're not having an issue with. I feel like I can't connect. I feel like there's a there's a click. There's we don't have that. We're not having that issue anymore. Uh, Crystal told me today there's five guests scheduled for next week having coffee and lunch with people in Relentless wanting to get to know people, and not one of those meetings is with me. That's not happening. And not one of them has requested a meeting with me. Now, some pastors will cry about that. And that may seem trivial to some of you because we're doing a very good job building a culture that that's normal here, but that's not normal. Everyone wants the pastor, but for some reason, people ain't looking for that here anymore. There's a lot of strongholds being broken. We are starting to walk into something very different, and we should all feel honored that we're a part of this. There's something very exciting going on here. And let me tell you, when I get commissioned under Dutch Sheets this weekend, there's going to be a different oil flowing into this house. I believe it 100%. And there's going to be an increase. there's, There's stuff happening in this house. And it's exciting. Now, the second part of last week's review is shifting into the apostolic model. Could be, because one thing we've done well, and I've kind of hit on it, is we've developed a family culture, and we're still developing that. Family, intimacy, doing life together, not just seeing each other on weekends, but we're actually forming community. Like, I'm finding out that people are having dinner at each other's houses and watching football together and that I'm not invited. And <laughs> Like, I'm finding out that people are actually doing life together, you know, not, not just the same people, but new people doing life together, like communities forming, families forming. And that's something that's um, good for relentless, but that's something the church as a whole has gotten over the probably the past 20 years um, or 30 years or 40 years. It's spearheaded with um, when Rick Warren wrote the Purpose Driven uh, Life and did the whole small group model, Right. It was a whole reintroduction to family family and small group ministry, okay? Now, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the purpose-driven uh, life, so don't get me wrong. We're not ad- adopting that. I'm n- never going to adopt that. Um, I'm not a big Rick Warren fan anymore. If you want to know why, we'll have a private conversation. But um, the past 20 or 30, 40 years, people have been understanding the need for community, the need for family. But where the church has not been entering in is what happened between Acts 2 when they were developing family and community and communion and seeing healings and seeing miracles between Acts 2 and then what happened in Acts 13. And that's where we've got to start shifting to eventually. This is what happened in Acts 13. A new dynamic was introduced to the church. Leaders were sent from the church at Antioch. It was Saul, which is the Apostle Paul, and Barnabas. They were sent from the church at Antioch, after the Holy Spirit directed the leaders to lay hands on them and send them into ministry work. And they started planting churches and doing ministry all over. Started planting apostolic centers and started planting church, and started planting pastoral churches. We're going to get into that these next few weeks. Um, it's very interesting how um, if you see the dynamics throughout, throughout Acts. But there was a shift from just community to build up and send. Equip and send. Getting obsessed with sending people into their purpose rather than just maintaining people in the house. And the church has embraced the maintain and building family and making you feel good and even preaching truth in that. It's all inclusive. But where we're going to have to eventually shift to is understanding that part of our call as an apostolic church, the thing that will define us as an apostolic church is not just truth and family and community, but raising you up into such maturity in your gift that we will be able to send you and you not just send yourself. It's funny how even the Apostle Paul waited for other people that will never be as famous as him to lay hands on him to be sent. And what's happening in the church as a whole is that everyone does their own ministry, everyone plants their own churches, and no one has a base, a covering, a home base to say, We're here for you. We're gonna have to shift to that eventually. That's where we're gonna go. That doesn't mean that everyone in here will be sent. Some people will, some people won't. But an apostolic church says, we are going to be so seeking God that when it's time to send someone, we are going to be praying for them. We're going to be covering them. We're going to be there for them when they make mistakes. We're going to be there for them when they're succeeding. We're going to be there for them to, we are going to be such a tithing church that financially, if we have to sow into their ministry, we're going to be able to do it without question. We're not going to have to consult the pocketbook. We're just going to be able to say yes to God. There are so many things to that. I mean, j- just being real, have y'all seen the increase in numbers in the church recently? Well, on the whole, there hasn't really been an increase in tithe. I'm just going to be honest with you since the increase in numbers. And some of you, oh, that's th- that—that's kind of a blow. But I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and and if 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 you think you're walking into maturity and you don't, and you're, you're not. Giving financially where your treasure is, where your heart is, so don't, don't fool yourself. Don't think you're part of this if your treasure's not in this. I'm just telling you how it is. That's scripture. And I'm telling you, if there's ever a time to be a part of this, now is the time to be a part of this. Because whatever you're a part of, it's going to go with you wherever you go. There's going to be a security and there, there is going to be a tie. I'm telling you. Hey, can anyone say amen to that? Am I alone in that? Um, there's a shift. Tonight, I wanted to continue talking about this shift. It's already 7 o'clock, but even if we don't get into worship and prayer tonight, I'm, just going, to, I'm going to talk about this. I want to continue talking about this shift, walking in this model of an apostolic church, by highlighting the idea of God's restoration of his church. God has always been in the restoration business. And when we talk about restoration, we we tend to think that restoration is limited to restoring people who have fallen. But restoration is not just to fallen people. It covers many facets of things. I want to read a scripture in Acts chapter 3, verse 21. Listen to this. For he must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things. He must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things has taken place. So for those of you that think we're getting near the end times, until the restoration of all things have taken place, he has to remain there. (laughs) Do you think we anywhere close to restoration? Then unpack your bags. Okay? Stop freaking out. When people, it's the, you, you, I, you know why I think people love to throw out the card, it's the end times? Because they don't want any accountability to manage the current time. It's the end times. God's coming back. And what they do is they just sit back and wait. And never do anything because they think what's the point. And God's like, well, until the restoration of all things has taken place. He has to remain there. So, what is the restoration of all things? What is that up to? Who is it up to? Who is it up to? Fulfilling everything that God said a long ago through the holy prophets. I don't know how much clearer we can get We spend so much time on coursework and books and books and books on end time theology and God lays it out pretty clear. Until everything's restored, it ain't gonna happen. Now I want it to happen. I want God to come back and do what he needs to do. So it's time to wake up and start doing it. It's time to get proactive. That's why There needs to be a church in this area that understands that apostolic ministry is not just a cool name to get spirit filled people in their house to shout and hoot and holler and they don't transform anything because no one knows what the heck they're doing, no one knows what the heck they're talking about. There needs to be a house in this area who knows how to walk in their authority, knows how to walk as the true sons and daughters of God, knows how to raise up, train, equip, knows how to love in every facet of ministry, knows how to do this. And I'm telling you, and I will say this boldly, That house in this area is not here yet. It does not exist. And I believe wholeheartedly, and I say this as humble as I can, God has called me to pioneer that house. And I am blessed to know that the people in this room are called here to do it with me. And that's why even though y'all get sick of me sometimes, and I make so many stupid mistakes, I am very quick to make right wrongs, wrongs right. I'm very quick to, to, to try to, to, to mend the fence and mend the broken places because I, I, we are in this together, and it's, the enemy is going to try to do whatever he can to stop it, and we are not going to be the typical church split story. We are going to be the one to pioneer, and we're going to set sail, and we're going to go straight through this crap called religion. Amen? Amen. Restoration of all things. We see it in the Bible. Jesus had to redeem what the first Adam lost. That's why Jesus is called the second Adam. He had to deal with original sin. He had to deal with it. He had to redeem authority from Satan. He had to... Crushed the head of the serpent. He had to redeem the authority that Satan took into into himself and he had to redeem the the keys of the kingdom and, and take it from the gates of hell and redeem what was lost. He had to redeem. That's why Jesus was called the second Adam. And then there was also the restoration of David's tabernacle. Look at Acts 15, 16 through 17. Listen to this. After these things, I will return to you and raise up the tabernacle of David that has fallen into ruin. Do y'all remember the teaching I did on the tabernacle? You enter in his gates with thanksgiving and praise, and then you go into the courts, right, where you wash wash clean in the, the hand basin and all that and, and, and dealt with sin and offered the sacrifices and then you went into the, the holy place and you, 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 you um, burned the incense and offered prayers and all those different things and then the priest took all your, your prayers and your, 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 your repentance and all those things once a year and took it into the most holy place where the presence of God was. Well, that had to be restored. It says... I will restore and rebuild what David experienced so that all of humanity will be able to encounter the Lord, not just one priest. All of humanity will be able to encounter the Lord, including the Gentiles who I call to be my very own, says the Lord. He says, I want the people who don't measure up to be able to experience me. So he says, I've redeemed the fallen tabernacle by making you all the temple." He redeemed original sin by God sending the second Adam, which was Jesus. He redeemed the fallen tabernacle by making each of us the tabernacle. And then he says there will be the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. Acts 1, 7-8. He, they said, when are we going to have the restoration of Israel? When are people going to rise? And he answered them. The Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be filled with power. You will be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on the earth. Restoration. He's always talking about restoration. I will restore all that was lost. You don't deserve me, but I'll restore it. I will restore your ability to enter into the gates of heaven. I will restore your ability to walk into the presence of God. I will Not will I only restore it, but God's restoration is I will give you greater access than anyone ever had. They could not get in my presence all the time. One priest got it once a year. You can enter in at any time you want, even though you're full of hell. And then there's the modern-day restoration. Now I was reading this stuff um, in, in the book and some, and some other things. In the, in the 14th century, there was a restoration where the Word of God, this right here, the 14th century, this right here is when it was put into the hands of people. It wasn't until the 14th century that this was made accessible. At one time, this was only for the, the higher-ups, right? And we, we forget how, how precious this is. One, another thing I heard in that podcast I was listening to this morning, it was so good. He was talking about tithing and how it was the principle of the representation of the whole. And he said, let me talk about quiet time. He said, what Christians do is we compartmentalize. And we say, I did my quiet time so I could get my 15 minutes in with God. And he said, no, what your quiet time is, it's like your tithe. What does a tithe do? It's not I'll give God 10 and then I do what I want with my 90. It's I set my 10% apart to represent the consecration of the whole. And he said, what your quiet time does is he said, it's a consecration of the entirety of your day. Your 10 minutes, you set it apart in the morning consecrates the entire day to where it's not Let me get in the presence for 15 minutes. It's now that I have given God a representation of 10 minutes of my day, now the entire day is in the presence of God. And then you wonder why at, you're, in the, you're in your office and all of a sudden you're overwhelmed with a tear because it's not I have to go get in the presence of God. It's because you've set aside time, you are in It puts a new, a whole new idea because you don't because do, it's it's kind of like Samson and, Naz, and the Nazarite cry, or, or the Nazarite vow. He was doing it all good on the outside, but behind everyone's backs, he was going near dead carcasses. He was going near vineyards. He was eating honey from dead lions, but he wasn't telling everybody. Everyone else was like, "Oh yeah, he don't he don't drink wine. He don't go near dead bodies." Look at his hair. And Samson's like, in private going near dead bodies, eating the honey, feasting on the compromise. And what we do is, oh, I do my quiet time and nothing about your days in the presence because you don't understand that it's not compartmentalize my life. It's a set-apart consecration for the entirety. That's my message this week, and by the way, I'm, I'm preaching a message called wholehearted living. I don't know, I thought that was powerful. Maybe maybe y'all, maybe y'all didn't, I don't know. <laughs> the keys of the kingdom. <laughs> In the 16th century, there was a restoration of the truth that salvation is by faith alone and not works. It's not that you gotta do a certain thing to get salvation. You know, the issue was, the Catholic Church, You better better light your candles and get your beads, right? Say your prayers, right? 20th century has been the restoration of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that there's actually gifts for the modern day. In the last 100 years, we've we've started to see a restoration of the fivefold ministry, Pastors have been introduced, obviously, but we've started to see evangelists rise up. We've started to see teachers rise up. We're starting to see prophets rise up, which that's, which is funny. We've accepted the idea of the prophet because everyone in the church is talking about our, what, what are they going to do with the prophets if uh, Trump doesn't get elected and Biden does. Are they false? Are they not? Everyone's talking about prophets now. So trust me, they've been received. And now there's, y'all hearing what I'm saying? And now there's an introduction of the apostle. So in the last 100 years, the thoughtful ministry has begun to be restored. Why am I pointing all this out? Because we are entering into a partnership as walking as an apostolic church with God's intent for the restoration of all things. My message this past weekend, what was it? What was it called? Y'all Remember? Pick, pick your path. We have two options. We can p- pick our path to be a church like everyone else who maintains people, or we can partner with the restoration of all things. We can stay in Acts 2, or we can walk out what they experienced. Acts 2 became, 30 years later, ascending apostolic center. They didn't just stay a community who received and kept here. They sent. They changed the community. What is the vision for this house, right? Smaller communities all around. You know how that happens? We build up people here. And I've been getting a lot of passionate requests lately from people I, I, I want to I do this ministry and I want to do that ministry and I want to do this and let's help this and let's help that. And I'm learning that I'm having to say no more because I'm understanding now is not the time to do all that. Now is the time to build you and equip you. It's, it's going to be a waste of my time. Not a waste of my time. There's, there are certain things that we can do. There are certain things that we're already doing. But I think one of the biggest strongholds of the church is the trap of busyness. Try to get in our hands and weigh too many wells. Without understanding how to currently steward the well we're in. I can tell you, 20, I've been asking God, what is 2021 going to be all about? That's everyone's question. And I've heard a lot of different pastors, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. And we're managing COVID. And I'm like, man, y'all wasting time managing COVID. Like, we, we, we figured that out in June. Amen. <laughs> and then, and uh, this is, I, I really, it's really simple for us build up leaders. What if I'm not a leader? You are. Everyone's called to lead something. Whether it's how to lead better households or how to lead in the, the organization of relentless or how to lead a specific ministry you're called to or how to lead in the gifting. It's, just called to be, it's called to build up leaders. That's what 2021 is going to be all about. How to walk as the sons and daughters of the living God. That, that, that's why wow. it's a partnership in the restoration of the apostolic church. <clears throat> Is this making sense? Yes. I want to read from this book. It's only 720, but I think I'm just going to read just this little section, and then we're going to stop. And, <clears throat> and I was just going to try to write some stuff, but it's just better to read it it says that there are specific keys <coughs> that key elements we can extract from the book of Acts <coughs> that really define early apostolic expansion. And I want to put these out here because if we're going to walk into an apostolic church, we have got to understand these keys. So here's one key. The Holy Spirit's in charge. The Holy Spirit was in charge. He was the one choosing men and sending them. The whole venture was his initiative, and he kept leading it all the way. And we tend to think, duh. But you know how many times the people of God leave him out? We have got to make sure that in everything we do, we let him lead. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead right here. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead right here. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead right here, up there, we need to let the Holy spirit lead in every single thing we do. We need to let the Holy spirit lead in how we talk about issues and how we handle issues. We need to let the Holy Spirit lead when going into new ventures, when establishing new things and new systems and taking away and adding. We need to make sure that the Holy Spirit is the one who's in charge. You know what that means? We pray about everything. Now, that, that don't mean we, we pray because we're scared. When it gives us an answer, we need to go for it. Because I think that's an issue in the church too. We, we get an answer, but we keep praying about the answer. <laughs> we get an answer, we're going to go. Because we're relentless. But everything's got to be Holy Spirit's in charge. And let me just say this. Holy Spirit was in charge, but it took them coming into agreement because the Holy Spirit said lay hands. And you know what? The Holy Spirit didn't make them lay hands. They laid their hands. So Holy Spirit leads and Then we have to follow up with an action. Three, a chosen man was a key element. There was Paul, a man who stood out among all the others. He's the key apostolic figure in that story. He went from city to city, from region to region, preaching the good news and making disciples among both Jews and Gentiles. He saw healings and miracles, faced resistance, persecution, portrayed a joyful perseverance that still inspires us 2,000 years later. Chosen man for the apostolic house. I believe I'm that person for this house. But that comes with something. There is going, going to be tremendous warfare as we move forward. And we've got to be so unified that I don't have to question whether or not we in this together. And you've got to be okay with coming to me with your concerns. And I've got to be okay with coming to you with mine knowing that we are iron sharpening iron. What was the topic that I talked about in the radio? Empowering, not lording. Me as the person that God has put over this house is not to lord over you. If if God has put me as an apostolic person here, remember, we're not using titles here. We made that clear. The scripture says that the church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Well, you walk on a foundation, and you see what's built on top of it. You don't see the foundation much, right? So trust me, my, my vision is to become a place where I am the most unseen thing here. So I want you to always remember that, and trust me that that is the goal. That is the vision. But, we, but I've got to have you helping me get there right? Because my heart is not to grow me. My heart's to grow you. But to grow you, I've got to, I've got to grow me <laughs> in him. That's why I'm going to Mississippi in, this weekend because I know I've got to get to an alignment that's going to grow me. I'm going to be honest with you, there's some things that are going to push me in this alignment. They're, they're asking me, like, so I was ta- telling Kathy this. They've been doing these prayers and all this thing, and I beat myself up for it all day. They asked me to be one of the key people praying for what was the city, Pennsylvania uh, or New Jersey or New Where was it last night? Last night Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, no, but that's not where they wanted to pray. They wanted to pray for Georgia. Every state had three minutes to decree the series of declarations starting at midnight. Yeah. So they wanted me to be one of the, the prayer people in in the NEI the for Georgia, and because it was at twelve thirty, I said no. Why? And <laughs> tough question, y'all. It ain't super spiritual. So I, I, I'm I'm going to have to make some changes so that I can so that I can walk into some different things. I'm going to have to push myself. I, I, I mean, like really. I, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to stretch myself in some areas, to be available in some other areas.
1: Go ahead. Yeah. You're not the only one that's going to get stretched. Everybody is going to be stretched, because when you start walking towards your destiny. There is that stretching. And when you are walking in an apostolic environment, the stretching is necessary for the growth.
0: Which brings me to the next key element, apostolic teams. Teams, 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 teams. Paul, very rarely worked by himself. So just keep me accountable. You ever see me trying to do something by myself? I want you to just look at me and go, teams, 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 teams. <laughs> Most of the time, we see him with companions. For his first trip, he left with Barnabas and John. For his second trip, with Silas. <clears throat> and, and soon added Timothy. Sometime after that, Luke joined the team. <clears throat> um... By this third trip, we see quite an increase in the size of the apostolic team. Acts Acts chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Phyrus from Berea, Aristarchus, and Secondus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derbe, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Five days later... Um, join the others at Troas where we stay seven days. Not only were there more and more people, but we also see them being dispatched to different places with different itineraries and schedules before they eventually reunited later along the way. We could add people like Priscilla and Aquila to the list as well. They travel with Paul only occasionally, but could nonetheless be counted as part of this team. In fact, as the work developed, it could be more accurate to speak of the apostolic teams plural rather than just one team. The composition of the apostolic teams included a variety of gifts. Paul was the leader, but there were other apostles like Timothy and Titus. Let me get that straight. Just because I may be... The apostolic leader does not mean there's only going to be one apostle in this house. Multiple, multiple, multiple. We're not going to get into this culture of one of. And if anyone ever says, well, I'm the set person, I'm going to humble you real quick. <laughs> <clears throat> Paul, uh, um, uh, where was that? There were other apostles like Timothy and Titus at one point. Both of them were given the responsibility to set a church in order, a clear apostolic mandate. Prophets like Silas, a writer, many others whose role are not clearly defined for us. But we see enough variation to conclude that an apostolic team is a multi-gifted company of people surrounding a God-sent apostle and an apostolic mention. I see one day Relentless being the type of church where there will be churches in trouble that say, we need to know what to do. And we're going to be able to send a team to say, well, let's help you. Because what we see now is churches, they, 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 they pray on dying churches and they say, oh, we can get that building and we can take that church and we can use it for our benefit and we can do this and we can do that. But what if we could be the apostolic center that says, we're going to send you five people for one year. And in one year, we, we, you're going to be sustainable. Let me, let me say that again. <laughs> what if we could be that church that says we don't want your campus we don't want your people we're going to ha- take five people and we're going to give them to you for one year and they're going to make you sustainable and build you up and build you strong what if we could be that church like, what if we could be that church Heather and, and all these and all these crazy people over here <laughs> y'all have heard it before but I'm going to say it again because it goes so well when I reached out to um, Julianne, I didn't reach out to Julianne or Monroe or Heather or Devon. I found out Maranatha, I found out Maranatha was, close, was closing, and I didn't text and say, y'all got any equipment we could buy? I didn't message them and say, can I get anything? I just said, hey, I heard y'all were closing. How can we pray for y'all? What can we do for y'all? And the next Sunday they came. And a year later, she's she's told me herself that she's more free and a stronger worship leader than the past. How long you been doing it? Like 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 seventy five years? Seventy five years? <laughs> you, you know, like. But one day, I really I, I'm not sure if this is like a prophetic thing or not. So don't don't quote me on this, even though it's on the recording. But what if one day, like, a church is going to be that, and Heather's going to be like, you know, I've been there. Kyle, can I go to this church and give me three months to build up that team? Do do you see what I'm saying? Because we're an apostolic center. Right? That's what's going to, that's, that's where we're going to go one day. And then lastly, it's a community of believers. When the time came for Paul to leave for other cities or to go back to Antioch, he looked for people mature enough to be given the charge to watch over the newly formed churches. When he returned with Barnabas to Lystra, Iconium, and Pisidian, Antioch, they strengthened the disciples they had made for the first time, and they appointed elders for each of them in the church. They didn't appoint elders until he left to care for the people. The point of elders is basically pastoralship; It's to oversee under the direction of the apostle. And when Paul came back, he took charge again. He didn't submit to the elders. And there's a lot more on that we're going to be getting into the next few weeks. But I just want to give you a picture do you see how different the church was than what the church has been? Do y'all see how different it was? Well, that's a dynamic work. Are y'all with me on that? Like, that's a dynamic we're going to walk into. I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but I'll tell you this. Even if it takes another five years, I'm okay with that slow. Because you know what slow means? Maturity. Pure growth. Y'all want to go there too? Yes. Amen. Well, that's all I got for name Want to add? Yeah. Hold, hold, it, hold it close. If you
2: I was just going to share something. Um, this house is already being used in a lot of this. I think people are beginning to identify it. It may be It's hidden right now. Um, I was a, a guy had called me a couple months ago and he, he said uh, the Lord showed me that I'm I, I'm supposed to get with you on we're wanting to build a worship team and I'm saying like me you know because I'm'm I'm, I'm not that you know but I, I understand apostolically that if they heard then there's a reason so I I met the guy I talked to him and it's funny how it kind of it worked it, as I began to to talk with him and I begin to kind of get to the motive of some of the things going on, I actually kind of ministered into, okay, well, ha- putting things back into order. Um, you know, uh, it, are, have, have you submitted these things underneath the person that's underneath you? Um, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of stuff like that. But de- these opportunities are coming. Uh, I, I ate lunch with them and began telling me about this church. I shared with you, I just wanted to be able to put this out there because I think our responsibility is to pray into a lot of this stuff too because I think there's things going to come your way that maybe just need to be prayed over, that God gives um, either place the right people in, in position or whatever. But there's a church. I know for years, of, this, this church was actually a happening little church in Effingham County and from what he told me the other day that somebody could pretty well take this church over right now that everybody since covid has hit that they don't have a church anymore no and this has got a campus it was a very active church the pastor had <sighs> just left the left it and actually went on staff with another church so now there's nothing but a youth pastor and his wife and then the um, the deacons or whatever it is in over the church and they don't even know what to do. So you know, I mean, I I don't think it's a coincidence what you're saying. I I think that these are coming, and I think the 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 more we begin to walk in, I think we're gonna have opportunities to minister in that, and I think there's gonna be a responsibility to steward that, to send the right teams, or you know, or it may be connection putting the right people in place, but. I wanted to share that because that's a real thing right now. I, I shared that with you the other day and told you about it because that that campus, I know people used to go to that church. It was a happening happening place. And right now, they could possibly close their doors. So, it's,
0: it's a real thing. And it makes you wonder, you know, if we should reach out and say, "What can we do for you?" You know, and you know what what. Uh, why are you closing? You know, what's what's the struggle? You know, there's a lot of knowledge in this house
3: Got something to add to um, the weight just going back to when you were talking about the weight in the beginning and um, just uh, the, the meaty substance of that uh, I think that like as we learn and grow together we become more intentional because as we grow together we begin to see more clearly you know, in an immature house, there's no clear vision. Like when the, the vision is made plain and made clear, like there's there's something to, to move towards. And as we grow together, we begin to move towards it together. And on that way, you know, the, we realize the way the path becomes more narrow, the vision becomes clearer as we progress, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so in that intentionality, I think that we're learning to express the, the, the church's um, truth, you know, and be the living expression of the word in ourselves. And I think that in that, you know, we're realizing that, you know, less, you know, not saying that we ever thought this, you know, but casual Christianity, like we realized like what casual really looks like and what, the, the real thing looks like and you know like we're we're here to stand against um the lie that religion brings to to the church that you can just live any kind of way you know you can just be any kind of thing you can just be casual come as you are you know be casual create a casual atmosphere do whatever you know which you know i'm not sa- saying anything against being casual at these socks you know what I'm saying? But a casual lifestyle of Christianity, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, we become more aware of maturity. We become more aware of one another. And we, we become more aware of the word of the Lord. And I know um, just being sent, like being sent, um, Like, the Lord sent me here, me and Allison, you know. I mean, like, many of you know the story. But just being sent here and realizing my purpose and and having it refined and redefined almost, you know, almost, you know, every other week, you know, seeing why I am here. And ever since I first met with Kyle, you know, it was just like we just had theology in common, thoughts in common, you know, everything was, like, in common. Like, you know, we didn't really have to, you know, talk it through. It was just like a mutual understanding, you know. And, you know, being sent here and just realizing that how how much we grow together. Like, I was sent here for a very specific purpose, and finding that in, in Relentless and in, you know, all of you here in Kyle is like to, you know, just to come here and just like you know you, scripture you just read was you know all the disciples were strengthened you know it's so like my purpose is just to come here and walk alongside kyle and help strengthen the church and develop a unity community like you know is patterned in the book of acts right and i think too in developing leaders you know um god's not going to send you out as his prophet or such and such or evangelist or teacher if you don't know your identity as a son or a daughter you know i think like the core of everything that we do has to like especially right now is is developing sons and daughters you know people who live from that reality of i'm a son of god i'm a daughter of god but what is that and de- like truly defining it, because when you're born again, you're born again into a new nature. So what what is the, you know, what is that new nature? How does that contrast against the nature we're used to, the nature of the world and, and the things in the world, you know, the things in the world try to put pressure on us and cause us to conform to it. But, you know, we have the Holy Spirit who's conforming us to the image and likeness of Jesus, you know, and just developing sons and daughters and thinking and living from that knowledge and that truth is like you, you won't ever be shaken. But if, if you're, you're born again and you come and you just, get, you just get prophesied to, oh, you're a prophet to the nations and you're just living from that, like you're going to stumble real quick because you're not able to handle that kind of thing yet because you don't know that you're a son.
0: Anybody got anything else to add? The only thing I yeah. want to add is at the very end that I want to talk about
3: tomorrow. Okay. So we were talking with um, Ryan and Chelsea, and Ryan said something to us that just stuck. He said, um, you have people who come to church and then you have people who do church. And, like, I've been guilty of coming to church and not doing anything, but since we've been at Relentless, I come to do church and Relentless is filled with people who do church and make more of an effort to be a family and love on people. So when you talk about weight, Relentless is heavy, and it's making an impact not only here in the church but the community because people are starting to notice, and we're not noticeable, but they're noticing that there's a change in the Relentless people.
0: So. Amen. Amen.